0: buttons and pulling triggers this is gun funny
1: welcome to gun funny episode 266 today i'm going to chat with stephen quo from recoil magazine discuss new delays for 18 to 20 year olds purchasing firearms and talk about paypal's new misinformation policy I'm your host Ava Flanell. Steven, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on. There's a lot of reasons why I wanted to have you on, but before we get into that, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. If you guys are looking for an affordable AR, definitely check out Smith & Wesson's new M&P-15 Volunteer Series. The Volunteer Series is named for their new headquarters in Tennessee, which actually I just met somebody this morning who their family lives like right down the street, and they've been watching the progress of the building going up. But they have a bunch of different options to choose from with, you know, the BCM Gunfighter forends, the B5 Grips, which everyone seems to love, and Stocks. They also have a decked-out DMR version with a 20-inch barrel the B5 soap mod stock, and a 15-inch free-flow aluminum M-LOK forend. They even have a California version if you you live in restricted states. MSRP on these range from $1,049 to $1,599, depending on the version. If you want to check out more about these guns, head on over to smith-wesson.com.
0: Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: Steven, so you're from Recoil Magazine and you've been with them from the very beginning, which is now a little over 10 years ago, which seems kind of crazy because I thought Recoil Magazine actually had been around longer than that. But since then, you've contributed to a bunch of other magazines that Recoil has come out with, like Carnivore and Concealment, and what else am I missing?
2: Yeah, so Recoil is the main magazine, and then we also have a few other titles. As as you mentioned, Concealment Magazine, which focuses on concealed carry type topics, and in fact, you have uh, contributed to that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And we have a carnivore magazine, which is focused on hunting and cooking chefs, uh, field to table kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we also have recoil off grid, which is a magazine focused on preparedness Nice. and uh, sister magazines we actually have in the, in sort of the same company family are gun digest and blade magazine.
1: Oh, nice. I didn't realize that you guys also had that as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: so I'm on the I'm on the recall side, but uh, you know our friends over there yeah work on those titles, and and we also put on the the blade show.
1: Oh, I didn't know that either. And yeah. then you guys are also you're putting on what is it CanCon?
2: Yes, thanks for bringing it up. So I don't have to plug it myself. Yeah, um, it's sort of a gun show and and fully suppressed range day, and it's on Veterans Day weekend in November, which is November 11 to 13 down near savannah georgia
0: very um, nice so all
2: of all of our team will be down there our business guys put it together um, bringing together a lot of suppressor companies gun companies it'll be a range day where public can come in and, and shoot all these guns all these all these cans there's even one of the nights there'll be a night shoot so you can put on nods and uh, shoot all these cool guns at night and and check them out and decide Decide what you want to add to your your Christmas list.
1: Right. Huh. That's really cool. You know, and just as like, I just got back from Turgon, which I saw you at, and I was thinking like, okay, I don't think I have any more trips planned. I think I'm just going to lay low, get settled into my new house. And then you talk about this event. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I want to wear nods and shoot at night.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: Uh,
2: I mean, it is it is kind of neat that there's uh, shows like this, like CanCon as well as TriggerCon, where mm-hmm. public can come out and get sort of a taste of... Back in the day, it used to be, you know, guys would, would post on ARFCOM or other forums and say, hey, I was at SHOT Show and I went to the media day and check out all these cool guns that I got to shoot. yeah. And everybody else, you know, regular public would look at it and think, man, that looks like fun. I wish I could do that and check out, you know, one company's gun against another back to back and shoot well, all the new stuff that's coming out. Yeah. And, and these shows now that are open to the public give give every, everybody an opportunity to do that.
1: Absolutely. Especially suppressors, too. I, I know when I first started shopping around for suppressors, I'm like, where do I even start? And, you know, I mean, you can do some research or see, you know, if somebody's like, yeah, this suppressor is good, but you really can't tell how quiet a suppressor is or how well it operates without actually shooting it. It's kind of nice to get that like hands-on experience. And especially when we're talking about an NFA item, it's not like you just go, you know, some of your ranges may not have their class three, their SOT, where you can rent out suppressors or try them out and stuff. So this is also a good opportunity for that. And I'm also surprised that more companies don't get on board where they offer range days to the public, because Ultimately, I mean, you know, they rely on the media and content creators to kind of get the word out. But again, it's it's our word, you know, that they've got to take or, or leave without trying it for themselves, usually before they buy it. So that's pretty cool. If anybody wants to go to CanCon, where can they find out more information about that event?
2: Oh, thanks for asking. So you can, of course, go to the Recoil website, which is recoilweb.com. We also have a, a website specifically for the event called canconevent.com where you can go to buy tickets. So information about the schedule and location, which is outside of Savannah, Georgia, and the dates, which are, I, I just double checked, it's November 11 to 13. Um, all that information is on there. And so you can sign up for, for tickets. There's different types of tickets and uh, depending on what, what you want to do.
1: Very nice. And then I'm assuming that you guys have a list of all of the manufacturers and stuff that are going to be attending. Absolutely. It's
2: on it's on the site. We
1: have a, a bunch of them. Cool. Okay. Let's go back to your background a little bit. Do you have a degree in English or communications like I do?
2: I don't. I'm actually <laughs> uh, an engineer from way back when.
1: Oh, okay. Um, nice.
2: But so, I mean, I first got into guns and shooting back in my youth Mm -hmm. um i grew up on the east coast so and and i'm
1: where on the east coast i'm
2: not the youngest guy in the world so we actually had a rifle team at my high school so that's that's sort of how i got started i shot rifle team in high school for my high school team you know sort of traditional three position olympic style Mm -hmm. rimfire that's how i got my start and then later as i got older i i got into other types of competitive shooting USPSA, steel, but, you know, three gun was probably what I spent most of my time uh, a number of years ago, uh, shooting a lot of three gun.
1: And where in the East coast did you grow up?
2: I grew up uh, not, not too far from DC.
1: Oh, okay, cool. And then from there, what were your next steps? Like what led you to where you are now?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I had a whole corporate career, but about, a little over 10 years ago, you know, I'd, I'd been doing a lot of shooting. So I had a lot of friends in the, in the area and uh, I was friends with the guys who started, you know, launched Recall magazine. Mm-hmm. So I got involved with, with the magazine from the very first issue. I, mm-hmm. I even remember driving back from shot a year or two before that talking to the guy saying, you know, we should, we should, you know, do something new and fresh with, with gun magazines, try to shake things up, get a more, you know, visual presentation to it, try to get a you know a more fresh look at how how um you know guns play into things and lifestyle and mm-hmm. and all those sort of things that are important to to people and so that's that's sort of the the genesis of, of recall magazine and and when they launched, you know I, I started writing some some articles for it. i a bunch of my personal guns were in some of the early issues and then you know I came on as a contributing editor a couple issues later. So I'd been one of the editors with with Recoil pretty much almost the entire time.
1: Wow. And then how many articles would you say that you write per issue?
2: Oh, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I usually write a couple. Hmm. And uh, and then, you know, we also, all, all of our editorial staff work with contributors like, like you, for example, and others in, in terms of covering new products, new topics, you know the the editorial st- team sits around every week trying to think about you know what, what's going on in the industry, what's going on uh, in the market. You know what what new things are coming out. What should we cover? What personalities are interesting? You know what new stuff can we bring to our audience to
1: mm-hmm. that'd be
2: interesting for them to read about mm-hmm. and see about.
1: What are your thoughts on the whole idea that like magazines are dying out?
2: I mean, you know, it's it's uh, if you take a step back and look across all types of media i mean there there's lots of changes going on and uh, whether whether it's you know guns or cars or or cooking or news and information technology and consumer behaviors change over time and in our industry you know there there are challenges i would say many of them relate to actually distribution in terms of where can you actually go and buy a magazine, mm-hmm. you know, an actual uh, paper-based magazine? But one of our saving graces, I think, is that our particular audience really appreciates having that tangible object in their hands. Yeah. To be able to flip through a magazine, look at, you know, look at these pictures, feel the heft, and actually collect these. I You know, we have a lot of readers who, who collect our magazines. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they try to have as many issues as they can going as far back as they can. That may not necessarily be the case for all, you know, types of, of topics, you know, cooking and and so forth. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I just, I just watch YouTube videos now to, to to figure out new recipes and cooking techniques. Yeah. I Um, just,
1: I just usually read the directions on the back of the pizza box for the microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Call for takeout. Yeah. Um,
2: But, you know, I think there's, there's something about what we do. I mean, that's actually, you know, talk. Going back to when we first started, when we came out with our magazine, we you know we looked at what other types of titles were out there and, and even how they how they felt in hand. Mm-hmm. And we chose a different trim size. In other words, the the overall size of the magazine, you know, made it a little bigger. Mm-hmm. The paper stock is was heavier than everyone else,
1: and it feels and nice. Our, it's like
2: nice and soft. Yeah, and our cover was heavier, and then you know we we spray a lacquer on it. Mm. we we used to joke that you could you know stipple a glock with it because it kept getting heavier Hmm. so those are sort of you know some of those tactical aspects to it that do appeal to our our audience but you know it's it's true though you know the people go online more and more and people it seems a lot of folks especially the younger ones might seem to prefer to watch stuff as opposed to read things yeah and so we've also as a company spent a lot of time trying to build out our other aspects of the business. So mm-hmm. we do have and we we put a lot of effort and time and, and resources against our paper magazines, but we're doing the same with with our website as well as with our video initiatives. And you know, we have Recoil TV, which is, you know, all of our own uh videos as well as a huge roster of partners who have their videos on the Recoil TV platform, which from a business standpoint we thought was was important, especially given the way a lot of tech companies and platforms were demonetizing and deplatforming people who who had content that they didn't agree with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about primary arms. <laughs> Primary Arms has their popular MD-25 on closeout right now. It's a really compact design that has a great field of view because the internals are designed to be more compact. It's a 25 millimeter dot with the same view field as like 30 millimeter, and it only weighs two ounces. It has a 50,000 hour battery life. And best of all, right now it's on sale for just $99.99, which is over 45% off. If you want to check this out, you know, get your hands on one while they last, head on over to primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY, all one word.
2: Yeah, we we just reviewed Primary Arms' new 1-8 to scope. I love um, that. You know, these low power variable optics are so popular these days. Yeah. So versatile that, you know, you can go from uh, 1x all the way up to 6, 8, 10. Adiball has a 1-12 to now. Yeah. Um, but they, they have incredible versatility because you can dial them down to one and and sort of acts like a, a reflex site mm-hmm. um but when you need to either you know have target identification or a more precise shot or a target that's farther away you can crank them up yeah and a lot of them have really nice reticles in them like primary arms is known for their acss reticle mm-hmm. that um you know you can use for ranging that you can use for holdovers and wind holds. And then they, a lot of them have, have good useful illuminations that you can, um, you know, turn on the red or green or whatever color they have and helps you pick up the reticle quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They have some really nice stuff. And honestly, like, I mean, I think optics in general companies, you know, across the board, like the price is coming down, but you just can't beat the quality and the price when it comes to primary arms. And I mean, even now they have like pistol red dots that are like $150 and they're really nice. It's just nice to see that, you know, they've made stuff that's great, like good quality that like, you know, a lot more people can afford.
2: Optics are fantastic tools for shooters to be more effective at, at shooting well and shooting precisely. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great to see more and more of these optics become more affordable and then also robust so that you can put them on pistols yeah i mean it's hard it's hard to find a rifle these days without an optic on it
1: yeah that's Um, true
2: but you know that's that's where we're heading with handguns and whether for you know civilian uh or law enforcement or military having that ability to have an optic on their on their pistol you know everybody wins that's Mm -hmm. it's it's good all the way around to have that sort of capability on the handgun
1: yeah i agree Let's talk about trigger So we, we were just there last week and Rainier Arms puts it on. And the last two years, they didn't have it. Previously, they used to have it in Seattle. And I went to the last one that they had in Seattle. So this was like three years ago now. And I really enjoyed it. I loved Seattle. It was just beautiful. Like the mountains and, you know, the water and I don't know, and it didn't rain at all, and I just thought it was really just great. But unusual they, for it not to rain up there, right? Yeah, it is. I know, and that's why I was like, oh, I want to live up here, and people are like, no, you don't. It's great today, but like it rains all the time. <laughs> but anyway, so this year it was the first year that they had it in Kansas, and I forget exactly what little town, but I know that I flew into Wichita, and then I drove an hour and a half. And it just felt like middle of nowhere. (laughs) And I'm really glad that I didn't drive because I was thinking I looked at my flights and I couldn't get a direct flight from Colorado Springs, which is the airport that I prefer to fly out of because Denver just gets kind of hectic. And I had to switch flights and I was looking at like, you know, six hours of flying time like by the time, you know, the layers and stuff. And so I was thinking that hey, maybe I should just drive because it's seven hours. And everyone that I talked to, they're like, you do not want to make that drive. It is the most boring drive ever. There's like nothing to look at. And just driving the hour and a half to the location where the event was taking place, which was at Flint Oak Hunting Lodge, I think it's called. It was kind of a boring ride. But that aside, the event itself was well put together. I know everyone was kind of a little nervous about attendance because this was open to the public and they weren't sure if, you know, what a p- attendance would be, especially when we're, you know, they're asking people to basically fly into Kansas and then kind of drive to the middle of nowhere. But I was actually pretty impressed with the attendance, I thought. It wasn't, like, huge, but it definitely wasn't, you know, like a ghost town by any means. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that the format of the previous trigger cons was, kind of like a little smaller shot show type mm-hmm. of a format because you had a separate range day, which was a single day at a separate location. And then you had sort of a convention type of a layout where you had a bunch of booths inside a convention center. Mm-hmm. This one, they moved out to Kansas. I think it was Flint Oak. It was a hunting resort. I think the city was Fall River. Okay. And that was, as you said, about an hour and a half or less outside of Wichita, really in the middle of nowhere. It's, I've, I've never seen a, a free, it was just completely straight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when you drove out of Wichita toward Flint Oak, it was just, it was just completely straight all the way out. And I think uh, besides eating at Flint Oak and they had a fantastic staff there, it was really lovely to stay there. I think I looked on, on maps and you had to drive 30 minutes to, to get to the next closest restaurant. I know. Even yeah, if it so, was like a Sonic or Pizza Hut, it, yeah. was, it was 30 minutes away. So it was really in the middle of nowhere. An and there were only so many spots to stay on site. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of folks were, you know, had to stay an hour away or yeah. half, at least half an hour away. So like that, a, the logistics made it kind of tough for folks.
1: Yeah. Some people stayed at some pretty sketchy Airbnbs. Like my one friend, I won't say from what company, but she called it the murder house and uh, (laughs) showed me a bunch of pictures. And one of the guys that was part of the company, he's like really big, like he's like maybe six, two, and I don't even know how many pounds, but he's a big guy. And he had to sleep on a futon in the middle of the night. It broke. And then they found a bunch of cameras like everywhere. And so they found where the cameras were recording to, and they took it out they cleared everything and then they recorded Rickroll over it. So when the person goes to watch, she's just going to hear, you know, like, I don't know. It's pretty funny. Um, that's funny and, and frightening. At I know. I know. Seriously. But yeah, I was looking at some of these pictures of people's Airbnbs and I was fortunate to stay at the lodge, which was pretty, it had a rifle rack in the hotel room, but yeah. So I don't know. So I think, I think next year they definitely should find a location that's a little more accommodating for everybody because I'm glad that I didn't have to drive like an hour or even 30 minutes away, especially because, you know, at night there's like a lot of socials and stuff like that. So it is kind of just a pain to, you know, to drive that far back home and then just to return the next day. But I thought it was, you know, I mean, what I really liked about it is I was surprised by how many companies brought on new products and usually a lot of these new products are released at, you know, like shot show. And with it being, I mean, fairly close to kind of shot show, I'm surprised that some didn't wait or maybe they will. I mean, I don't think that a lot of the products that we were able to shoot, I don't know if it is available to the public, like Aero Precision. They have their bolt gun. They also just came out with a bunch of suppressors. I don't know when that's going to be available to the public, So there was there was still quite a bit of stuff that but it was fortunate, like I was fortunate that we got to shoot it and get some hands on it. But what were some of the cool things that you saw?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, to your point, I agree that there were a lot of new products there. And maybe it's indicative of not just this industry, but others where where many companies are just starting to release products all throughout the year, just whenever they're ready.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: But I was I was happy to see how many new interesting products there were there.
1: Yeah, um, and and there were he, a
2: lot of companies. I think it was almost eighty companies at at TriggerCon. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I know it. It was actually a pretty good turnout.
2: And so there, there was there were you know a couple different ranges in different areas of the of the hunting preserve, and then there was sort of in the parking lot just a a bunch of of booths for companies to uh, sort of non you know non live fire area where people could just check out check out products and talk to the the companies.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice because they divided it into, so they had the rifle range, they had the suppressor range, and then they had like the general range, which was, there were some rifles, you know, PCCs, a few handguns, stuff like that. But it was kind of nice that they also gave suppressors their own range so that you could really sort of hear the difference and and get some hands on with that without somebody, you know, unloading like a, a full auto right next to you.
2: For sure. I mean, we're, we're big fans of suppressors as I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a safety thing too. Yeah. I I mean, I, I'm sure, I don't know about you, but you know, my, my right ear is noticeably worse than my left. <laughs> I, mean, I put I'm, on a set of head headphones. I can tell how much hearing I've lost on the right side. And do you think, do you attribute that to shooting? Yes. Huh. Interesting. Yes, for sure. But, uh, you know, it, it is interesting how many new ones coming out. You know, I, I think you and I have talked before about how, you know, there are so many ARs out there mm-hmm. that it's hard, hard to find distinguishing characteristics for new ones coming out. And we may be getting to that point now soon where more and more companies are coming out with suppressors, which is a great thing to have more of that available. You know, there'll be more products available. You know, it'll, it'll push prices down so that more people will be able to purchase them. Mm-hmm but it'll be interesting to try to see how they distinguish distinguish themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's start with suppressors. One of the things that I was really impressed with was uh, I think it's called AB Suppressor, and I had never heard of the company until this event, but they had, I think it's called Little Bird? Yep, Little Bird, yeah. And that thing was really cool. It was a rimfire suppressor, and you use a drill where you can screw and unscrew the, uh, the different baffles, but they don't really look like your typical baffles. And you can like fine tune it accordingly. And it made it really easy to clean because that's the thing with like rimfire cans is like they just get so dirty so quickly and they're hard to clean.
2: It was a really neat design. So yeah, you know, as you said, like the, the, the housing was completely threaded all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then each of the baffles basically screwed into the internal threads on the housing. And they had a neat little tool, which you could put on the end of a, of a power drill, you know, and, you know, it would engage into the little baffle and you just screw it all the way in. And they had little witness marks on the tool. So since it's going into the, you know, going into the housing, you can't see where it is. It would tell you how far, how far in you are.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't so even think you, about that. You could
2: sort of put, put each one in as you, as you like, or, or play with the spacing, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, as to your point of, of how you want to do it.
1: You did a much better job of explaining that suppressor than I did, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It has some like screwy things in it and you just like screw it and, you know, you could just like plan accordingly and it's fine. Yeah.
2: Well, but, I mean, you know, they had they had sort of a, a cutaway version there so you yeah. could see the inside of it mm-hmm. and you just see, you know, threading going all the way down the inside of the housing. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then you could, you could even watch as you, as you would drive in a baffle as it screwed all the way down. It was neat.
1: What was the other, it was an intricately suppressed gun, I think. That oh, angst, won- are you talking about Angstat? Yeah, so that was like the one company. So there was a few companies that I wasn't able to interview, but essentially the TriggerCon employees, the camera guys, I they followed me around and I interviewed pretty much like almost 80 vendors. But there was a few where where somebody else stepped in and interviewed them. And that was the one company. And I'm like, man, I didn't get my hands on that. Did you? I don't don't know
2: why you have to take breaks.
1: I know. I don't know. I mean, they insisted. I think it's something with like you know, I don't know, these government agencies or something. They were afraid I'd probably sue them or something. I don't know. (laughs) Even though I wasn't getting paid for this, so I'm a little confused. But whatever. (laughs) But I'm assuming you got hands on it.
2: Yeah, I think it was. uh, I think it's called the Vanquish. And it's Angst. angst You know, it's yeah. It's Angst. It's Angst Arms. Basically, an integrally suppressed PCC, and the interesting thing about it was it's sort of it's rifled the entire length. It has no baffles. I believe it was it's stainless, um, and the od the outside diameter OD was under an inch, hmm. so it could fit pretty much under any handguard, and you know installs with barrel nut. I believe so. You could get a complete rifle from them, or or you know upper, or you could actually just buy the suppressor and then install it into your upper
1: oh wow nice that sounds cool did you have a chance to shoot it yeah
2: no it's it was it was nice it mm-hmm. was cool and you know i mean they went from i think it's shot they had that that little briefcase kind of gun mm-hmm. um and yeah. now now they've got this interesting thing i'm i believe uh he was talking about you know maybe it being available like end a year Q one, you know, beginning of next year.
1: Hmm. I'll have to check it out at Shaw Show. Yeah, it's it's a pretty neat little system. If I if I don't see it, you know, before then. But another thing that I thought was kind of interesting, it was made by Rifle Speed, which is another company that I've never heard of. But they've apparently they've only been around for a year and like a maybe two months or something like that. And Rainier Arms uh, picked them up, but they had this like gas control for the gas block did you get a chance to check that out
2: yeah no so that's a it's a really neat product i think i think that one that as i recall it won the best in the show golden trigger award uh for for TriggerCon. it's ba- i mean it's basically a, a gas an adjustable gas block mm-hmm. um but the neat thing about it is that it has 12 settings and sort of an extended collar on the front of it so that you can rotate between the 12 settings from low to high. And the collar comes in different lengths so that it can, you know, essentially protrude out the end of your handguard. So you'd, it, if you remember, you know, back in the day, especially on the competitive shooting side, three gunners would, we we love adjustable gas blocks because you would, you, kn- you knew exactly what ammo you're going to run. Mm-hmm. So you could tune your gun to work on basically the minimum amount of gas necessary. Yeah, Because you don't have to worry about dealing with different ammo or, if, you know, if you're military or what have you, and you, you never know what you might be having to use, mm-hmm. you go to a match, you know exactly what you're using. So you could, you could tune your gas block and typically it'd be like a, a set screw and you'd have an Allen wrench either going in the side or all the way from the front of the gun, trying to find a little set screw and then turn it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you wouldn't know where it was without going all the, you go all the way to close and then count your clicks. Mm-hmm or it might get, you know, might get, it, sometimes it could get stuck with all the carbon buildup and all that. And then on the other side, you'd have for sort of suppressed applications, you might have uh, gas blocks that had maybe two or three settings on them. So you'd have sort of like the unsuppressed and the suppressed uh, settings so that you could, uh, you know, turn down the gas as needed. So this, pro- this product was pretty neat because you can, all, you know, all the settings are clearly marked. So, you know, where you are between mm-hmm. one and 12. You can also sort of set where those outer bounds are. So, you know, the, the least gas or the most gas, you can sort of define where that's going to be so that you can use it appropriately. So you might, if you want to use it as suppressed and unsuppressed, you could you could do that appropriately. Or if you want, for example, if you had a 300 black system or something like that, and you wanted a setting where the gun won't cycle at all, So that it would be as quiet as possible. You could have your, you know, your lowest setting essentially, you know, prevent the gun from cycling.
1: Mm -hmm. And best of all,
2: you wouldn't have that action noise of the, of the gun cycling and you can see right on the end, you turn it, you turn all the way down, you know, if you're hunting or whatever, and you want to, you want a super quiet shot, break your shot. And then, you know, you can adjust your, your gas setting as, as you like afterwards. And you don't need a tool at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it's basically, I mean, so you have to, you have to choose the one that's appropriate for your build. So it's the, it's the right size for your gas journal and, and the outer diameter of your barrel. And then that it's long enough to poke out the end of your Mm handguard so that you can reach it. Yeah. But they have, you know, they have all the different sizes and all that. That's, that's sort of the only trick is figuring out whatever build you want to put it on and finding the appropriate, you know, length and Mm -hmm. configuration. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but those go for I'm actually on their website right now. So those go for roughly one ninety nine. But it's just it's one of those things where it's like, hmm, okay, that's something that I feel like solves a lot of problems. It's like a problem solver that that I could see a lot of people needing. I'm trying to think what else did I see that was kind of cool. That pivot gun. Who makes that? Trailblazer. Yes. I love that. I don't know wh- okay. Well, I do know why, because we were talking. And we've roughly been in the industry for kind of the same time. Well, you've been around guns longer than I have, but you know, we both like review guns and have to write about them and stuff. And it gets to a point where it's like, okay, you know, an AR, right. What's like really, what did you guys do different? That's really differentiating yourself from the guy down the street. And even if they do differentiate themselves, do you really feel it when you shoot it? And what is making the difference between spending $3,000 on this AR versus a thousand on this other AR, you know, and half the time I'm like, eh, I can't really tell. I mean, other than like maybe the trigger, the muzzle break, it doesn't really seem to be, it seems to be made kind of similar. <laughs> I think it's kind of just made us a little, I don't know. I mean, Dated. not, yeah, kind of. And <laughs> so when you see something where it really required a lot of thought process and some like true innovation. I think, you know, you've gotten to the point, we've gotten to the point where it's like, you could really enjoy that, you know, I mean, whether it solves a problem or, you know, if it's going to sell off the shelves, I don't know, like that's, that might be another story, but you do get to a point where it's like, Hey, you can understand like the hard work that has been put into something and the fact that it works seamlessly. And, you know, it's just the pivot gun. If you guys didn't see, I I put a, a video on Instagram, but essentially The gun has to be unloaded. You have to take the magazine out and lock the action open, and then it'll pivot either right or left. You have to press this button in the front, and basically the entire upper will do a 180. And it's kind of funny because after I posted that video, there's a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, the barrel points right at you. And it's like, well, did you see that I specifically said like you cannot rotate this, the upper, right or left, without taking the magazine out and locking that action back. So there's literally no way. I mean, if nothing else, I'm going to I'm just going to say I feel like a Glock could be more dangerous in your hands because, you know, you have to pull the trigger in order to disassemble it and it'll still fire even if it's, you know, if it's loaded while you're dissembling it. And that's why a lot of accidents happen. But as far as like this pivot gun, I mean, it's essentially like somebody took a rifle upper, which is pointless without the lower and waved it around. I don't know. I get it. You know, nobody wants a rifle barrel, you know, pointing at them. But sometimes I'm like, do people even use common sense? Like, do they know what's going on and how guns actually work? But regardless, I played around with that. It shot great. And I was like, I don't know, I was really impressed with that. And then they also make that little, is it called a life card?
2: Yeah, the life card. 22 rimfire
1: yeah and so it only shoots one round it's break action but it has a threaded barrel so you could suppress it and so i think it it was just kind of another kind of cool sort of novelty gun
2: it had um at the range it had i think a pillbox can on it yeah yeah that was that was one to just put a smile on my face after shooting it i know it's just fun
1: yeah that's kind of what i was thinking and I have so many guns at this point that it's like, oh, cool, another AR. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm never going to turn down another AR. Like, I still like ARs, but it's kind of just cool to add to your collection and just kind of get these off the wall guns. And
2: it's not cheap. The pivot's pretty, I think, yeah,
1: 1800 or something. It is, yep. MSRP is 1800. So that was the only thing that I didn't like. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay. It's not like the person who built this is using parts that he acquired from other places. I mean, they're all kind of proprietary parts. And in order to, you know, invent something from the ground up, I mean, it's not inexpensive. I guess I could understand it. But then I also was thinking, I mean, look at the prices of even handguns. Nowadays, like MSRP and most handguns is like in the seven, $800 realm. Like the prices of guns are just going up.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Trailblazer first showed that pivot at SHOT earlier this year. And we actually, at Recoil, we awarded them the Best of the Basin Award at SHOT Oh, this nice. Year. I mean, it's, it's a neat, I mean, it's niche. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, do you really need that? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not, but it's just cool.
1: hmm Yeah. And then, I mean, it's nice because you could literally fold it up into like a little rectangle, like, yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks like a little block of like a, a rectangular block. And, I and mean, then- if,
2: if uh if reader or listeners want to visualize it, think of taking a Glock with a sixteen inch barrel and having the upper and lower pivoting and so you just spin them around, right? The-
1: yeah. And then you extend the stock, the stock yeah. and and everything works pretty seamlessly. Cause also sometimes with a lot of these guns, it's not as seamless. It's like, uh, you know, everything gets, you could just tell it's not like the parts aren't polished well and it just doesn't operate as, as nicely, but this operated nice. I liked it. I'd like to get my hands on one.
2: Yeah. I you mean, know? so if, if we're thinking, thinking about sort of what type of use case it's trying or problem it's trying to solve, I uh, basically trying to have, you know, capability in a very compact package. Mm-hmm. One of the other products we saw was uh, Stern Defense. Yeah. Had a sort of like a, it's an adapter for, you know, attaching your receiver extension to the back of an AR.
1: I think it was um, called the MRAD or something. It was called the RAB, RAB-AD, RAB, RAB. Oh. rab Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> rab I was, I was AD- close. ad <laughs>
2: Maybe they need a, a catch your name, but it was it meant rapid attached butt stock adapter
1: yeah that but it's sort work.
2: of like there's one piece that you basically attach to the rear of your you know the buffer threads on your lower and then the other piece takes the buffer tube and then they just sort of easily snap together so people who've who've used a law of tactical you know you've that's sort of a it has a hinge on it, so you know you fold the the stock to the side, this thing just basically comes apart.
1: Yeah. And it fit really well. It was just like, you literally click it in like a nice little puzzle piece, just one little twist, like not even, I don't know, like not even like 90 degrees. I mean, it was pretty seamless. And then to detach it, it was just this like little button that you press and turn it the opposite way. And it just takes off and you have the ability to put this, you know, this PCC, make this PCC, like just super tiny. I mean, the backpack that they had was, I want to say, maybe twelve inches. I mean, it's pretty small. Yeah. And yeah, I
2: mean, you know, just as well with three hundred blacker or or, uh, or really any AR-based platform. I mean, we in and, and the magazine we did a a piece not too long ago about takedown systems, and this Sturm product wasn't available yet. But you know, the products we were looking at, there was there was actually a company, a trigger con called Relum, that they had their version of a takedown AR. Basically, th- those are systems designed to s- remove the barrel from the upper mm-hmm. in a repeatable and easy way. So, you you know, you combine a detachable uh, receiver extension with a detachable batter- barrel side, and, you know, you can make a tiny little package. Mm-hmm. For example, what the Relam gun um, did was, you know, they had their own proprietary version of, of a detachable, you know, um, barrel nut handguard system, and then their own version of a detachable buttstock. But, uh, you know, Stern, you could use with any one of those. Or like, for example, we went over this company called Cry Havoc, mm-hmm. um, and they make a system where you can latch and unlatch the, the barrel from the upper. Um, so you could combine that with a system like the Stern. Hmm. Pantheon has the Dolos, uh, which is uh, a similar system or another type of system to attach the barrel to the upper. LEO Armory has has their version. Um, so, there, there's there's companies out there offering ways to sort of basically make your AR platform as compact as possible. Mm-hmm. The Sturm adapter would be a nice nice uh, way to add on the buttstock side.
1: Yeah. And I think MSRP was like around 140. Yeah.
2: That's what I had in my notes. Which was,
1: yeah, which was like pretty, maybe 139 or something, which is pretty yeah, affordable. I think they said
2: they'll be out in a couple months.
1: Yeah. I like or the soon. idea of that. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one of those too. Yeah. I mean, hell, I'll take it all, but still. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, see, you, you could put those things, you know, for that article that I I mentioned, we built a build with with a super short 300 black upper. And so you you break that thing down, it's super it's tiny. It's like a little baby, yeah. Yeah.
1: Another product that I was just really impressed with, and it's not that, I mean, it's a few months out, but Maxim Defense is nine
2: Mm What are they? What is that? Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Maxim defense, I always admired their guns. I thought they looked beautiful and they kind of reminded me, and I'm sure they're going to hate this if they heard it, but it kind of always reminded me of like Q's honey badger with, you know, the different colors and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I'm like, for the price point, I'm like, it's probably just like your typical, like, I don't know. I just figured it was probably just, you know, Even the nine, like just a regular, like tiny little PCC. And then I shot it, which this one actually wasn't. This would be a short barrel rifle, the ones that they brought, right? Because they had Mm -hmm. stocks on them, which, yeah, because I actually really like the way that their stocks are made. And I got to say, I was really impressed with how it shot like that. I could physically like I could feel the quality internally. And I think their guns go for is it twenty five to twenty five hundred to three thousand.
2: I'm not sure about the price point on those. I'm going to look it up. I think 2000 starts at 2000, maybe.
1: Well, did you have a chance to shoot them?
2: I didn't get a chance to shoot that one.
1: Oh, no, it does. It starts at 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, less than I thought. I don't know. I would almost. I mean, 2000 is still a lot of money, but that. I mean, there's some guns that you shoot and you're like, nah, I would never pay that, you know, for that gun. And then there's others where it's like, you can tell that there was some like pretty smart engineering. There's, you know, it just has some well-made parts and you could just feel the quality. And that I could definitely, like I was just really impressed with.
2: Yeah. I mean, there could be a whole debate about, you know, piece nine millimeter caliber PCCs versus, you know, short rifle caliber guns. Yeah. But PCCs are, are really popular these days. And that's a nice one. I mean, there's also uh, at the show, there are, couple others i mean you had the you had the strybog you had uh angst at arms guns jp wasn't on the range side but you know that jp has their jp5 which is a you know a delayed are you talking uh, about
1: jp enterprises yes yes yeah i so i finally i wish i i wish they were on the range because i'm sponsored by federal ammo and JP Enterprises also works with a lot of the federal ambassadors, and that's how I got my hands on some of their products when we were recording some content for something new that's supposed to come out. And that's how I knew of them. And I was pretty impressed with, I mean, even just like their muzzle devices and stuff and the handguards that they make, like it has a cool design to it.
2: I mean, JP has a cult following from the competition side. Huh, Um, I didn't know that. But yeah, they make great stuff. Their nine millimeter is is really nice because that you know that's just you know direct blowback nine millimeter AR not not like any AR you know recoils hard but you know the blowback nine millimeters you know they, they jump around more than than the five five sixes so you know these systems uh, JP has one you know the um, th- there was another one there uh, was it next level at, at TriggerCon I think it was next level. They had a system that was built around the CMMG, you know, radial delayed system. Mm-hmm. So that's that shot really, really soft. Yeah. So it is it is nice to see you know companies doing interesting things with this PCC segment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree.
2: I think kinetic development is there, and they had like an interesting they they had a Strybog that they had built out to an to an SBR with like a rail extension on it, and you know like a folding acr stock on the back of it it was a neat little gun
1: mm-hmm. i'm gonna take another quick break talk about mantis great news if you guys are fans of the blackbeard x which Stephen, we were talking before the show and you were like oh i really like the black or i'm sorry not the blackbeard x the blackbeard And you were saying that you really like the Blackbeard, which is like a dry firing device that Mantis provides for AR so that you don't have to keep resetting the trigger. And now they've taken it a step further and they have the typical it's like your Blackbeard where you can pull the trigger. I think you can pull the trigger within like 10 times per second or something like that. But they have the Mantis X system now built into it. So it tracks all of your movement. And I was kind of watching some videos of this. And I think this would be great, especially if you competitions and you want to get the most out of your time and be extremely efficient. But let's say you set up three targets on your wall and just going from, you know, you fire around at each target, but it'll show you the movement. So if there's any like loop arounds, like let's say you go too far right and then go left a little bit to hit that target, the bullseye, and then it really helps for you to like maximize, you know, I guess your distance, if that makes sense. And I have one, I just have been so freaking busy with my move that I haven't had a chance to try it out, but I think that this is definitely something that's gonna take a lot of shooters to the next level, wouldn't you think?
2: The Blackbeard system is is really neat. I reviewed one. This was the original one, I think at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And all of these dry fire systems are really interesting because dry fire is a really fantastic way to increase your shooting skill. Yeah. And it's affordable, especially nowadays with cost of ammo, Mm -hmm. not to mention the cost of gas trying to get to your range. Yeah. Um, And you've had, uh, you know, like little cartridges that you stick, you know, you drop into the chamber and it, it, you know, will put a little laser splash out there. You know, there's stuff like the cert gun, which is a a replica gun but the, the issue has always been how do you reset the trigger
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, i know because you
1: do- and you don't want to build up that muscle memory of every time you're pulling the trigger then you go and rack the slide back yeah
2: so what mantis did with this blackbeard is that there's this little i guess it's molded this you drop it in in place of your bolt carrier group
1: and the and, charging handle
2: and the charging handle. Uh, right right yeah you take out the bolt carrier group and the charging handle you drop this system in and then, but it doesn't have a battery in it. So there's a magazine, you know, a thing in the, sh- in the shape of a magazine that you put in the magazine well. And there's contacts between the two, and that so that gives you power. Mm-hmm. And this little replacement BCG basically, you know, recocks your hammer. Yeah. So whenever you whenever you drop the hammer, it actuates it. It uh, if you if you buy the one that has a laser in it, then it'll shoot a little laser splash downrange, mm-hmm. and it'll recock your rifle. So it's a really neat system, as you said, to, to practice. I don't have the X version on hand, but I have the, the previous version. And if you use it in combination with, you know, one of the either one of these smartphone-based systems or, um, you know, there's other companies that make little laser-based targets or, you know, any one of these types of things, you can even put targets upon the wall and what have you and then do drills. Mm-hmm. And so- like that Blackbeard will allow you to use your AR. You don't have to mess around with racking the action and you can do multi-shot strings, you know, whatever you want and practice with it. It's
1: it's pretty neat. Yeah, I agree. And the Blackbeard X is just definitely taken to the next level. And I wondered, I'm like, well, how do you, because when I first opened it up, I'm like, this looks exactly like the Blackbeard, but I realized, so the X is the size of like a 30 round magazine. And then just the regular Blackbeard is the size of like a 20 round magazine. So that's also an easy way to tell which one you have if you don't see because it's it doesn't say it on the actual product itself, but it does say it on the box. So,
2: right. So that that has the stuff to track movement and mm-hmm. all that.
1: Right? Yep, the thirty round, the one that's you know shaped like a thirty round. Maybe- yeah. So
2: um, I think Mantis makes a system called Laser Academy. Um, and that's it's like an app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use that with the Blackbeard or, you know, whatever, whatever other laser system you have, but it, you know, uses the camera and, um, you know, has a shot timer and all that sort of stuff to yeah sort of see what you're doing.
1: Yep. You could definitely combine a lot of these systems and sort of take it to the next level. I agree. So if you guys want to check this out, head on over to mantisx.com. Let's see, Stephen. So is there anything else about TriggerCon that you saw that you want to talk about or anything with recoil? Anything that I haven't touched upon?
2: Well, I don't know how many products you want to talk about, but there were yet more interesting products at TriggerCon. Some of the ones that I remember, there was like Phoenix Trinity had a oh, yeah. had a um, 2011 style gun. I know, um, and
1: I'm so bummed because I didn't get to shoot that gun. And I heard, I've heard nothing but good things about it
2: yeah i mean its it shot great like most you know custom twenty elevens but it was interesting because it had a linkless barrel system and an interchangeable breech block on on the gun, and then also the comp on it was completely machined, so it, you know it's not like threaded or, or what have you. it was actually machined, so you had this one piece barrel compensator system,
1: so it was like so welded that, on there essentially
2: no i i I think it was machined out of one piece if I was not if I oh, okay it. okay what else the JK Armament had their CCX tiny little can, you know, a little suppressor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so light that you don't need a booster on a pistol. So it's kind of like makes it practical to put on a pistol and carry. Or if you, you know, had it on a home defense gun. I mean, it's not nearly as effective as, as a, you know, like a full-size can, but, you know, it, it'll avoid blowing your ears out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's, you know, really small and short and no booster. Yeah. What no else was there? Like, I think Rugged had their Alaskan 360. I think a lot of these suppressor guys will be at CanCon in Georgia with us in November. But there's
1: there's pretty neat stuff there. I should have taken my notebook like you and just wrote down notes.
2: Yeah, I was trying to peck it out on my phone.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm like, so yeah, is, that's right. That's Some it is. of this
2: like, is not even... Decipherable. I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> you're like, I'll just chalk it up as I was really exhausted. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's
2: a gun called the Templar from Crusader Arms, which it's interesting because the cover gun from the current issue of Recall is the Tink Arms Perun, which is brought in by AEA Arms, imported from Slovenia. But it's an interesting weapon system because it takes like a slightly modified AR lower, and then puts uh sort of bren like kind of an upper on it and this this other company crusader arms was a similar type of design where it's kind of an ar 180 ish kind of an upper you had you know the entire operating system is enclosed within the upper and I mean, kind of
1: looks like a tavor bolt carrier group uh system i don't know if and, i even saw this gun i'm actually looking it up right now
2: uh yeah so i that that this one came out of canada but it's very similar in concept to the Perun that's on Recoil sixty three. That's currently on. It's our Ukraine cover, so that gun has a similar type of.
1: That's definitely it is. It does have line. a cool design. I totally get what you're saying. How it sort of has like that Bren upper feel. Yeah, and then the AR fifteen lower.
2: Yeah, so they're sort of piston guns, and you can have folding stocks. You know, because it's the upper is completely mm-hmm. uh, contained and. And like the way the Prun works, and I think it looks similar for this Crusader, is like you you take an AR lower and then you chop the buffer threads off of it, so you you can have the upper extend a lot of further re- rearward above it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. So
2: again, these are sort of like, you know, not AR kind of interesting systems. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but but they can kind of tap into some of the interesting stuff about ARs, like, you know, fire control, triggers, you know safeties, pistol grips in the case of Perun, you know, even barrels and all that sort of stuff is compatible with ARs. What
1: else? Was there anything else?
2: I'm sure we're missing some stuff. I right? know. You know what it is. You I'm going like, to
1: think about it. I'm going to wake up at three a.m. and be like, why didn't I talk about that? I wanted to talk about that.
2: I mean, we can't talk about 80 companies on I know. On this
1: podcast. But I know.
2: I well, love Franklin. Franklin had a, a um, 17 Wisdom.
1: Yeah, that was kind of
2: cool. Yeah, I mean the particular build they had there was so long and heavy, but they're going to do a shorter one. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about thing about that is that you got to love about Franklin is that they do stuff to to get around all the laws. Put a thumb, put a thumb in the eye of of these mm-hmm. non-free America. Yeah. So that weapon system is a is a gas piston rimfire, and so a lot of you know banned states have different laws for rimfire than they do for centerfire.
1: Yeah, so essentially now you can have what looks like an AR-15 in these restricted states, and it shoots the twenty-two WSM, which I didn't realize that people called it Wism.
2: Oh, people Isn't are that lazy. Stupid? They always want to. They always want to. They always want <laughs> to, you know, shorten things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I liked that gun though. It was fun to shoot. And, and then, they, as they always, they designed a new magazine for it as well. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that they designed that magazine. I guess they designed the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. I liked that gun. I like the. I mean, they're just. I like the company, and we'll talk about more of them coming up. But they always make some impressive stuff. All right, so Stephen, what's in the works for the future? You have anything that you can share with listeners?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, at Recoil, the next big thing for us is is CanCon. I mean, that's coming up in a month, and we have lots of company's going to be there, you know, uh, for for the public, you know, check out recallweb.com or ancon event.com to check out tickets. We'd love to see you guys out there. And we have a bunch of different events coming up. So there are still companies who are sticking to the, you know, SHOT Show release. So we should have interesting new stuff coming down the pike in just a couple months that you know, I'm sure you on Gun Funny and then we'll be covering. So we we have a lot lot packed in there for the next couple months
1: nice okay all right awesome all right well carrying on with the rest of the show caldwell if you guys want to up your game on the range as far as training goes check out the target turner from caldwell It's basically a target stand with the capability to rotate the target by 90 degrees quickly. You can set how fast it turns, so it's perfect for interactive shoot, no-shoot training, or just like friendly competition. It comes with a reusable target backer and works with all IDPA, IPSC, and Action Pistol cardboard targets as well. It collapses into a carry bag for transport and runs off of eight AA batteries for eight hours, so you can use it anywhere. They're $114.99 at CaldwellShooting.com, but don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order, and that is at CaldwellShooting.com. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF next to delay 18 to 20-year-olds for enhanced background checks. Last week, the FBI notified FFLs that they're working to implement, quote, enhanced background checks, end quote, for persons between the ages of 18 to 20 in accordance with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that was rammed through Congress this summer, which I touched upon a little bit. Going forward, anyone who's 18 to 20 years old will be delayed a minimum of three days when buying a firearm and... I'm assuming this is a rifle because I think in all 50 states, you have to be at least 21, correct?
2: I'm not sure if it's every state.
1: Yeah, I could be wrong. But yeah, so who knows? But for anybody who's like, well, I didn't realize that 18-year-olds. I mean, 18-year-olds in majority of states could buy a rifle, but I think the age for a pistol was always 21. But again, I could be wrong. I don't know the laws for every state. I know that's how it is here in Colorado. FFLs will have to provide an address to NICS for the person trying to purchase a firearm, which home addresses have been part of the 4473 for years, but not part of the background check process itself. NICS will immediately check with local law enforcement to determine if the person became a prohibited person while a juvenile. Within three days, NICS must inform the FFL if investigation beyond the three days is needed. At that point, the FFL can't proceed until 10 business days is up or Nix gets back to them with a green light to proceed or that person is prohibited. If 10 days are up and Nix hasn't gotten back to them, they have the discretion, but not the obligation to transfer the gun to the buyer. But I would be careful because right now, I mean, ATF's almost like on a witch hunt where any little error that these FFLs are making, they're shutting them down. And I feel like this could be one of the excuses that they use. So I'd be careful with that.
2: Yeah. Old enough to enlist, but uh yeah. Not old enough to I know. You're right. I just double checked. It says the gun control act of 68 handguns for 21, 21 and older.
1: Okay. So this is just for rifles and and it could be anything. I mean, it could be an AR, it could be a 1022. It could be anything. It could be a double barreled shotgun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just so weird because like 18 to 20 year olds, like what about the guy who marries his high school sweetheart? He, you know, he's living with his family or they start a family and now he has to wait, you know, a few extra days or, you know, let's say something happened. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it.
2: Well, these the concept of waiting periods is already kind of sketchy. When you, mm-hmm. when you think of it in, in states that have them, typically...
1: It's not solving it's, anything. There's
2: a waiting period, no matter how many do you already have them. Then what purpose is a waiting period serving if you already have guns?
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Franklin Armory. We were just talking about Franklin Armory. They actually, I don't know if you had a chance to shoot the gun. Palmetto State Armory developed and it was, I believe it was a nine. And Now for the life of me, I can't even think of the model, but they made a trigger for that and it was actually pretty fun to shoot. But while I was there, so Steven, don't get too jealous, but they did give me a trigger for my MP5. Very nice. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like, cool, another thing to do. (laughs) I have like a long list of things that I need to. At this point, actually, normally I would do it myself. I think because I've been so busy, I think I'm just gonna drop it off at the gunsmith at DCF Guns and just be like, here, (laughs) if we could just do a little side job, that would be great and pay him under the table because I just don't have the time to do all this stuff anymore. But I am really excited. It's actually it's not the MP5, it's not from HK. It's the AP-5 from Century Arms, which I've been pretty happy with. And I've done, you know, I've put on some upgraded parts and stuff like that. But I think binary trigger is just going to be so much fun in this gun. Do you have any binary triggers? Uh, I don't. Hmm. Well, you're missing out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if you do, I don't know. if you want to get a binary things. trigger, I have a coupon Especially code. Especially
2: if you're shooting somebody else's ammo.
1: Yeah, I know. It's true. <laughs> Or you have an ammo sponsor. <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> well, if you decide not, to get. not kidding. I know. I'm like kidding, but not kidding. If you decide to get a binary trigger, I have a coupon code for you to get 10% off, and that is AVA, A V A, and 10% off at franklinarmory.com.
0: QA. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's Q&A is somebody asked, what is the new thing with UPS requiring access to firearms shippers books? And I got to say, I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to look at this. I posted something on social media about UPS requiring this, like that they want access to FFL's books, but... I just keep thinking, I'm like, what is the alternative? So FedEx is obviously, you know, doing all kinds of weird stuff to mess with the 2A community. And now UPS is, you know, in like the post office. Okay. Like that's, you know, like what other like DHL or like, we really need to come up with some sort of alternative because a lot of the firearm dealers, so they started receiving a new agreement that they have to sign in order to ship through UPS. In it, they have a section on a shipper compliance program that UPS requires that they have, quote, sole and unlimited discretion in requesting evidence of compliance. That's to include your order information, invoicing, packing lists, and any other relevant documentation identified by UPS for specific tracking numbers that they request. They also require that they can audit the shipper at any time for any reason, including opening their shipments, examining their books and records relevant to firearms product shipments, and auditing their shipper compliance program. Basically, they decided that they want to become like ATF, I guess. But, I mean, it's just... I don't know. So the actual end user transaction records aren't legal for them to have access to which they may not intend to go that far, but the language in their policy could be used to insist on access to it which you know would make it impossible to comply and therefore no one could ship firearms with UPS. Either way, like regardless of what's going on, we need to find an alternative because this is just like getting out of control.
2: It's challenging, I mean because these sort of shipping carriers and oligopoly, you know, it's like it's not like you can just stand up a shipping company tomorrow mm-hmm. to deliver to the entire US. And it's not, it's not just that, it's financial services, payment processors, mm-hmm. you know, all these logistical aspects of doing business in America that are sort of under attack. Yeah. You know, you, you saw those things about putting firearms, transaction codes on credit card transactions, mm-hmm. all these sort of things where if legislators can't get at you through the law, given the you know Second Amendment, they they're, try to hit you in other ways. Exactly. To make it
1: that's difficult exactly or
2: impossible to, to, to do things.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I've said before. I'm like, they're coming at us from all angles. So if they can't change the laws and take guns out of our hands, you know, at this moment, they're getting creative and it's such overreach. And I'm like, okay, we need to start doing stuff about it because it's definitely getting out of control.
2: Another way to try to quote, regulate firearms is just by making it so expensive mm-hmm. to own or or operate or what have you. That it or
1: just... or sue them so that then they yeah. go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what to do anymore. And it's not like it's like that easy to start. Like, okay, let's all group together. We're going to start our own shipping company. Because the logistics of that, that requires like millions of dollars.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the last company that I can think of that stood up a similar thing is Amazon. With
1: <laughs> Yeah.
2: So Maybe Amazon
1: um, will start letting us ship guns. Yeah, no, I'm so kidding. <laughs> I know. You hold your breath. I know. Yep. Okay, so IWI. Actually, so IWI, this issue is still out of concealment. And it's funny because I've been so busy, I didn't realize that the issue even came out, which after talking to you at TrueCon, I'm like, Oh yeah, I have an article that I wrote. It should have been out or it should be coming out. And you looked and you were like, yeah, it came out in August. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm a little <laughs> behind <laughs> way to, you know, but anyway, so I wrote an article about the Masada slim and I really like this gun. I don't know. Have you had a chance to shoot this gun? I did not. It's oh, man. It shoots really nice and it has very little recoil for being a micro compact gun And I think out of all the micro compact guns on the market, and I know, you know, people are going to be like, well, that's because you're sponsored by IWI, but I'm also sponsored by Smith & Wesson. And I think that it honestly shoots better than the Shield Plus, and that's a little bit bigger than the Masada Slim. So you would think that, you know, given that it's a bigger gun, that it would actually have less recoil, but it's not. It's actually just, it's made really well. And best of all, MSRP is only 450 so that means you can go into a store and probably get it roughly for about $400, which is pretty incredible, especially compared to its competitors. But a few things about it, so it comes with two 13-round magazines, or if you live in restricted states, you can get 10-round magazines. It fits the full-size Jericho mags, and I know they're making a sleeve for it because obviously the Jericho mags are a little bit longer. I believe they're 17 rounds it's going to stick out, but this basically allows you to go to the range, shoot it without having to, you know, okay, you fire off, you know, so many rounds, eject the magazine, you got to load it. I mean, it lets you to like really get into that mindset of like training and not having to take constant breaks, loading your magazine, or if nothing else, it could literally go from being your concealed carry gun with the 13 round magazines to your home defense at night with the 17 round magazines. And it's optic ready. It's just they did a good job designing it. But if you guys want to check it out, I know I just recently saw IWI actually at TurCon, And I asked them if they were starting to catch up because, unfortunately, the only drawback is they're importing all of this from Israel. And so, you know, you could thank the government for just not they have to approve all the importations. And that's kind of what's causing the holdup at this point. But they are starting to reach stores so If you guys are in the market for a new EDC, just I would still just kind of hold tight because I think that you're going to be seeing it in stores pretty soon in the next couple of months. And if you want to check out more about this gun, head on over to IWI.us. As always, if you see any accessories in the web store that you like, use the code gunfunny 15, all one word, it's going to get you 15% off. And then you can check out the article that I wrote, which when does the next article come out? The next... uh, The next issue, I'm sorry. Issue of concealment or... Yeah, uh, of concealment. I think it goes on sale in December. Oh, okay, good. So we still have some time. My article is still out there. There's like a website where people can go to see where they can find Concealment Magazine, right?
2: Yeah, you can just go to recoilweb.com.
1: Okay, because I know it's available in Walmart and Barnes & Noble and... I mean, figure Walmart at this point's everywhere. So, if you guys want to check it out and it has the cover on it, it's a Sig. Which what model of Sig is that? The 210. Okay, the 210. Okay. Yeah, that is the one that you want. Uh AF segment.
0: Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. As f- Never mind. AF
1: PayPal policy would fine for misinformation. Did you see this whole debacle the last couple of days with PayPal? Yeah. And it's weird because I put out a video about PayPal, my my experience with PayPal. And this is like we're going on maybe three or four years ago. And PayPal suddenly froze my account. And they said to so they froze it. I had about I think I had about thirteen hundred dollars in there and they froze it and wouldn't let me access it for six months because they said that I violated their whatever terms, even though they wouldn't specify what exactly. And I think it's just because I had the word firearms in my name because I've I've really never I'm mean, not like I bought guns with it or anything like that. And so I put out a video basically telling people like, hey, this is what happened to me. If I were you, I wouldn't have a PayPal account because the same thing could happen to you. Or if nothing else, let's say you want to keep your PayPal account, do not keep a lot of funds in it, like constantly transfer your funds out of there. Because if it freezes, you're not getting it for like six months. And that's literally to the date that I had to wait before I got those funds out. But now there's a whole other thing. So last week, PayPal released a new user agreement clause that said they can fine $2,500 from your account for posting quote, misinformation. The changes expanded the list of prohibited activities to include the sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials that promote misinformation or present a risk to user safety or well-being. Additionally, posting anything involving the promotion of hate, violence, racial, or other forms of intolerance that is discriminatory. Deliberations uh, were to be made at the sole discretion of PayPal, and they would have debited $2,500 from your account for each offense. In other words, every post that they don't like, they could fine you for each and every one, which could you know, rack up pretty quickly. The updated user agreement came out just days after PayPal canceled several prominent accounts, including one from the nonprofit Free Speech Union. PayPal reinstated those accounts after criticism from lawmakers. On Monday, after massive backlash online from users canceling their accounts over the new policy, PayPal backtracked on the new policy as well. PayPal issued a statement saying that the updated policy was sent out in error. PayPal is not fining people for misinformation, and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. Our teams are working to correct our policy pages. We're sorry for the confusion that this has caused, which is a total bunch of BS. Basically, I mean, they're just not happy that so many users were closing their accounts. Many people even reported over the weekend that they were blocked from being able to close their accounts, and then as of Tuesday, their stock price had lost $9 billion due to people closing their accounts, which is pretty significant. Anyways, what's funny is even though they said that this was a whole, you know, an error or whatever, this actually has been in their policy now for a few years, since the beginning of 2020. The whole fine thing, it's nothing new. All they did was expand what they would fine you for. Kind of interesting, but either way... Like I said before, if you guys have a PayPal account, I don't know. And also people may not know this, but Venmo is actually owned by PayPal. That's like another thing is it's really hard to find. Okay, now what company because Cash App, I want to use Cash App, but they don't even like work with my bank. I can't find my bank on that app. And I'm trying to think what else is out there, but some of them are like pretty scammy. So it's just another thing where it's like it's becoming kind of a what was the word that you used? It's not a monopoly, but a what?
2: Oh, oligopoly,
1: yeah, that's what it's becoming. All right, it's time to wrap up. Um, oh, by but-
2: the way, I, I misspoke earlier. The next issue of concealment coming out in a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, okay, there's, there's
2: another one in December, but we do have one coming in a couple of weeks. So, sorry, yours
1: mine's going to be <laughs> old news pretty quickly, yours guys. Is coming off the news, so, stands, yeah. So, run to your local Walmart. Normally, I would never say go to Walmart, I would never tell you guys to put yourselves through that, but do it for me. <laughs> I avoid Walmart like the plague now. But I will admit that I went to Walmart to get the... Well, so I have a subscription to concealment. But I think with the move, I didn't get it. Like my mailman thought that I probably moved or something. So I wasn't getting my mail. I'm thinking that this is what happened. I don't know. You but took I took it home. Right? No kidding. But either way, I didn't get my last issue. And so I'm like... Ah. So I went out and bought it. And I had to go to Walmart because... There is one Barnes & Noble here in the Springs, but it's like all the way on the other side of town. I didn't really want to drive that far. So I suck it up and went to Walmart. Okay, so I, I... went to Walmart in Kansas. There wasn't much other choice. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't see a Walmart in Kansas, but...
2: It was right by... It was, oh, you just drove right by past it then. It was between Wichita and uh, Fall River.
1: Hmm, okay. Maybe you're right, actually. Maybe I do remember seeing that. There was like a little bit of real world, you know, closer to Wichita... And then as you just kept driving, you're like, I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And I hope I don't get a flat tire. iTunes reviews. First one is Laura E Pro 2A titled Best Gun Podcast. Five stars. I love listening to Ava and her guests learn something new in every episode. Second is Clayton Lothar hopefully I didn't screw that up, titled Ava, This is My Favorite Gun Podcast, five stars. Congrats on finally signing on your house. It's been interesting hearing some of your challenges the last few months. Keep up the good work, and I appreciate your hard work to bring us news and stories from the wonderful gun world.
2: Well deserved reviews.
1: Yeah. So you have the great responsibility of picking either the first review or the second to win a prize pack. Oh, dear. Yeah.
2: I'll go with the first one.
1: Okay, so Laura E-Pro2A, contact me. Just go to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form, and just give me a good shipping address to mail out that prize pack. And you guys can find links to everything, social media, YouTube channel, the podcast, all of that good stuff at gunfunny.com. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you should consider becoming a Patreon. You can do that. On the website, gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link or even patreon.com, whatever you guys prefer. Either way, it helps me out and it helps, you know, keep this show going. And also Blown Deadline, if you haven't heard of Blown Deadline before, he does amazing Coat jobs. He's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. And then also, if you've been a $5 plus Patreon for three months You'll get a Patreon only patch that will never be for sale. So you'll be kind of part of the cool kids club and you get access to the Patreon only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. Also, wanted to thank the $25 Patreon to our Corbin Bonafide Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, and Tristan Smith. And king of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. So thank you for that, guys. And then, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me and, you know, letting listeners know everything that is that you do with Recoil Magazine. Thanks for talking products about TriggerCon, and maybe I will see you at that CanCon, but for anybody who is interested in either attending CanCon, checking out Recoil, or any of that other good stuff, can you just let listeners know where they can find out more information?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. The Recoil website is recoilweb.com. And uh, for CanCon specifically, it's canconevent.com.
1: All right. Awesome. Well, guys, I will see you next week. And I hope everyone has a great week.
0: Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.